I'm Michael Fennenbach, and this is Sinatra Matters. Frank Sinatra performed a romantic ballad better and with more feeling than any other singer. And he swings like no other singer. He swings, yes, but there still exists a debate as to whether Sinatra was a jazz singer. Purists arguing he was technically not a jazz singer, but what exactly is a jazz singer? Perhaps the best definition, as Pete Wilding writes, lies in the title of a popular Jimmy Lunsford tune, Taint What You Do, It's the Way You Do It. And the way Sinatra does it includes an awful lot of jazz influence and expressive jazz technique. His imagination, tone, diction, phrasing, sense of time, his subtle rhythmic control, his use of different pitches and timbres, his ability to hold notes, sing above or beyond the beat, the way he bends and draws out a note, or the way he varies the accent on a key phrase. These are all jazz elements Sinatra integrated into a markedly personal sound, a signature Sinatra sound that it's impossible to imagine without the influence of jazz. To illustrate the jazz-inflected side of his art, in this podcast, I want to offer commentary on Sinatra's reading of the Rodgers and Hart standard, Blue Moon, featured on his 1961 album, Sinatra's Swingin' Session. Backed by Nelson Riddle's sophisticated swing arrangement, Sinatra, with impeccable jazz timing and phrasing, explores every nuance and variation of the melody. He alters the vocal line, gloriously bending and drawing out notes, and listen to the way his subtle timing deviations below the bar or phrase level magnify the swing feeling in this recording. Riddle ushers in the recording with an easy two-beat groove featuring Buddy Collette's tenor saxophone. Sinatra enters discreetly and sings a chorus bolstered by the springy bass line. Following the ease of that two-beat comes Sinatra subtly improvising imaginative harmony lines on the melody. And oh, those stabbing riffs. At the bridge on top of a bed of soft strings, more of Sinatra's relaxed, swing-easy phrasing lends a laid-back, propulsive feel to the rhythm. His vocal driving the groove every bit as much as Joe Comfort's bass and Irv Kotler's drums. And dig how, at the turnaround, Sinatra effortlessly reshapes Blue Moon on the phrase, Blue Moon, Now I'm No Longer Alone. Woof. The band building and building through layered riffs exploding into Plaz Johnson's absolutely electric, hard-swinging saxophone solo. Good golly. Sinatra joins in the fun at the release, ratcheting up the energy and excitement, jumping the beat and wailing, and then there suddenly appeared before me. After that cascade of climaxes, Sinatra relaxes the musical intensity, improvising and out of this world glissando on Blue Moon, Now I'm No Longer Alone. Good gracious.
and accompanied by Harry Sweets Edison's muted trumpet, he repeats the phrase, Blue Moon, Now I'm No Longer Alone, again distorting the pitch and timbre with another jazz-inflected glissando. Sinatra offers a perfect close, softly bending the phrase, Without a Love of My Own, the whole thing neatly buttoned up with Joe Comfort's tidy double bass coda. Well, let's give a listen to this absolutely terrific recording. From the 1961 album, Sinatra's Swingin' Session, here is the great Richard Rodgers and Lorenz Hart standard, Blue Moon, arranged and conducted by Nelson Riddle. Hold on tight. This is Frank Sinatra. saw me standing alone without a dream in my heart without a love of my own blue moon you knew just what i was there for you heard me saying a prayer for someone i really could care for and then there suddenly appeared before me The only one my arms will hold I heard somebody whisper, please adore me And when I looked to the moon, it turned to gold Blue moon Now I'm no longer alone Without a dream in my heart Without a love of my own Somebody whisper, please adore me And when I looked, the moon had turned to gold Blue moon, now I'm no longer alone Without a dream in my heart Without a love of my own Blue moon, now I'm no longer Without a dream in my heart Without a love of my own Just wonderful stuff. That swinging signature Sinatra sound, drawing out notes and varying tempo. Nelson Riddle's finger-snapping big band swing arrangement and a powerhouse backing band featuring some of the most 
formidable jazz musicians ever to play a note. And wow, that raucous Plas Johnson solo. My heavens. The sensational hard bop tenor saxophonist Plas John Johnson Jr. was born July 21, 1931 in Donaldsonville, Louisiana. A leading session player in the Hollywood recording scene of the 1950s and 60s, Johnson is widely known as the tenor saxophone soloist on Henry Mancini's The Pink Panther Theme. A favorite of Nelson Riddle, he played on innumerable Riddle-arranged records by Peggy Lee, Nat King Cole, and, of course, Frank Sinatra. He also backed a bevy of prominent R&B performers from B.B. King to Johnny Otis, and he's featured on many of the Beach Boys records. Written in 1934 by Richard Rodgers and Lorenz Hart, Blue Moon has become an enduring American songbook standard. But the song has a unique and unusual backstory. Unique because it's the only Rodgers and Hart hit song not to come from a show or film score. Unusual because it went through four iterations before becoming the tune we know today. The story goes that in 1934, Lorenz Hart added a lyric on top of the now familiar Richard Rodgers melody, and they delivered a song titled Prayer for a movie called Hollywood Party that never got off the ground. They forgot about the song and moved on to the next assignment. So when a few months later they were asked to write a title song for a new film, they dusted off Prayer, and with a new lyric from Hart, it became Manhattan Melodrama. Turns out the studio didn't really need a title song, but they did want a ballad for a Harlem nightclub scene. So once more the songwriting duo repurposed the Rogers melody, Hart wrote a third lyric, and this time the tune, titled The Bad in Every Man, made it into the picture. But nobody paid the least attention. Nobody noticed it. Except, as author Mark Stein writes, the guy who ran MGM's music publishing operation, who loved the tune and was sure he could make it a hit, if only it had a more commercial lyric. So Hart reluctantly wrote a fourth lyric, one that included every commercial cliché he could think of. And presto, we have Blue Moon. In December 1934, Glenn Gray recorded the rewritten song with a vocal by Kenny Sargent, and given a push by multiple radio airplays, it's shot to number one closely followed by Benny Goodman's recording of Blue Moon with a vocal by Helen Ward. And then, 26 years after it first hit number one, it did so again in 1961 when the Marcells had a huge hit with a doo-wop version of Blue Moon. And about that doo-wop version, Mark Stein writes, Lorenz Hart never wrote anything like this. Blue Moon famously serves as the anthem for Premier League soccer team Manchester City. Sinatra did not call himself a jazz singer, but he dominated the male vocalist critics poll of the two most prominent jazz publications, Downbeat and Metronome. 
In a celebrated 1947 Metronome All-Stars recording session, Sinatra cut Sweet Lorraine, backed by an array of legendary jazz musicians, including Coleman Hawkins, Harry Carney, Charlie Shavers, the incomparable Lawrence Brown, Johnny Hodges, and Buddy Rich. It remains to this day a much-acclaimed jazz showpiece. Before a raucous sellout crowd of 12,000, Sinatra, with the Count Basie Orchestra, headlined the Newport Jazz Festival in 1965. And he toured with brilliant jazz vibraphonist Red Norvo and his quintet. It's no accident that two of the most influential and acclaimed figures in the history of jazz, storied tenor saxophonist Lester Young and trumpet legend Miles Davis, were both very great admirers of Sinatra and regarded him as a major influence. Sinatra, whose apprenticeship was with the bands of Harry James and Tommy Dorsey, would continue to work with some of the greatest arrangers in jazz and swing. Not only Nelson Riddle, but Billy May, Neil Hefty, Quincy Jones, and Johnny Mandel. He would record an outstanding album with the Duke Ellington Orchestra, and most compellingly, two albums with the Count Basie Band. With the end of the big band era, a stable full of the finest jazz musicians, particularly the former members of the Woody Herman and Stan Kenton bands, found regular employment in Hollywood's recording and motion picture studios. The ace studio musicians that often backed Sinatra included such jazz masters as trumpeter Harry Sweets Edison, bassist Joe Comfort, who taught a young Charles Mingus how to play, two of Duke Ellington's greatest sidemen, Juan T. Zoll and Ben Webster, and drummers Shelley Mann, Alvin Stoller, and Irv Kotler. To mention just a few others, Don Fagerquist, Frank Rosalino, Joe Maney, Conrad Gazzo, Buddy Collette, Milt Bernhardt, Pete and Conti Condoli, and the list of jazz stalwarts who worked with Sinatra goes on. He was held in high regard by two of jazz's greatest vocalists, Billie Holiday and Ella Fitzgerald. Joe Williams, Mark Murphy, and blues-shattered Jimmy Rushing all counted Sinatra's phrasing as an influence. If you define jazz as improvisation based on harmonic structure, then Sinatra is surely not a pure jazz artist. But as music critic Adam Kopnick points out, Along with Leonard Bernstein and Alec Wilder, Sinatra changed our musical aesthetic by bringing jazz concepts and ideas into composed and arranged music. Sinatra's art is transformative. Without that swing-era jazz foundation, Sinatra could not have risen to his undeniable status as the single greatest interpreter of the Great American Songbook. That's all for now. I'm Michael Fennenbach. I hope you'll join me next time on Sinatra Matters. Until then. <laughs>